right, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint uh, anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jeremy, I thought amen was just something we said at the end of a prayer. How can we pray to God and yet God be the word we say every time we pray? And Jeremy, on that note, what does amen even mean anyway? Amen. Well, these are the words of the amen. Amen, the word, is a word that carries over from Hebrew to Greek, and we chose through our history, through our language history, not to make it something else. The word amen held. It's appropriate on this last Sunday of focusing on the seven churches, almost as a send-off, that Christ is called the amen. At the completion of these letters to the seven churches, Jesus is the amen. Amen is what we say at the conclusion of a prayer or anything that we have voiced to God. In many ways, it is a way of saying we affirm what we have just prayed for or what we just hoped for. Or it's a way of saying, God, may may what we have prayed for, may it be so. May your will be done. In a way, it encapsulates all of these things, which is maybe why we kept it amen It has such a heavy meaning, I can't just go through everything I just said at the end of a prayer. So we say, Amen, as our ancestors in the faith did as well. So Christ as the Amen means that Christ himself is the fulfillment of every voice of prayer, every hope, all of our prayers, all of our wishes find fulfillment in Christ. And that's a reminder, once again, on this seventh Sunday of this series, that Revelation is a book of hope, not a book of dread, but a book of hope, a book of hope for us and those churches in Asia Minor who heard it when it was written. That being said, Jesus has some of his most harsh words to the churches in this letter. 
Jesus has had some pretty significant criticism for our churches up to this point, some more than others. Some are quite critical, pointing out what the churches are doing wrong. And in this case, Jesus uses an analogy that I don't think I'd want to hear said about me. You're neither hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. I just want to spit you out. It's a vivid image because I remember all those times in elementary, middle school, and high school when I'd come in from recess or gym class and you'd go to the water fountain and it was lukewarm. Ugh, it's the worst. We knew which water fountains in the school building put out cold water and which ones were lukewarm. Did you know that well? Did you take note of that in school? We knew what the good water fountains were and we know what the lukewarm water fountains were. Lukewarm water is a bit useless when you're coming in from recess or gym class. Now let's stop there because growing up I often heard a misinterpretation of this text, one that may still hold, although I think we've generally got the point. When Jesus says, I would rather you be hot or cold and not in between, I would occasionally hear a teacher every now and again say, Jesus would rather you be completely evil than, completely, than, than somewhere in the middle. In other words, Jesus would rather you be totally in for evil or unrighteousness instead of kind of having one foot in one and one foot in the other. That, that's an incorrect, I believe, interpretation of this passage. And we, we think we can say that because... This may have been a very vivid description for the church at Laodicea. Because hot water could be very useful, as it is for us today. Cold water can be very useful, as it is for us today. There were two springs in nearby cities to Laodicea. One being Hierapolis that had a hot springs that was great for medicinal purposes. It almost acted as a spa. And so if your body was aching and you needed to step into some hot water or hot springs, well, you could go to the hot water springs at Hierapolis. But then there was a beautiful cold spring of water at Colossae where you could go and get fresh drinking water that could be used. And so cold water can be very useful. Hot water can be very useful. Lukewarm, 70, 75 degree water, well, doesn't have much use. And so what Jesus is ultimately saying, and I don't think it's necessarily better for us, is he's saying, you're practically useless. Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, when you're lukewarm, you're practically useless in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, I would rather you be hot or cold, purposeful, useful in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you're useful in this way, maybe you're useful for the kingdom in this way, but choose one or the other. Don't be uncommitted. And it makes you ask the question, what is a useless Christian deed? There could be no such thing. If we call ourselves Christians and say we are doing everything in the name of Jesus, then everything should be of God, right? Jesus doesn't seem to think so. Maybe those useless Christian deeds are treating faith like a duty 
or an obligation rather than a joyful opportunity to join with Jesus in the work of the kingdom. Maybe useless Christianity is seeking knowledge of the Bible with no desire to live out its truth. Maybe useless Christianity is being a big fan of Jesus, but not a disciple. Lukewarm Christianity, as we see it, is possible. It is possible to be Christian in name, to claim to be a part of Christ's church, and yet to find oneself useless or lukewarm. Lukewarm Christianity is possible, but it is in many ways useless when we do not allow or the, allow the power of Christ to transform us or to work through us. Fortunately, Jesus has an answer for and a solution for the people of at, La- at Laodicea. They have hope to be transformed and to become the purposeful church that they were called to be. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. There's a constant theme in Revelation of John using irony and counterintuitive language Because to tell someone from Laodicea that they were poor or pitiful was just not correct. Laodicea may be the wealthiest city that we examine in these seven churches of Revelation. And so for Jesus to say, you are poor, you are wretched, you are pitiful, they'd say, nuh-uh, we're well off. We've got gold, we've got riches, we've got health care, we've got everything we need here. We're rich. They would have not acknowledged that. But Jesus tells them that their wealth is not truly wealth in the kingdom of God. Yes, in the world's eyes, Laodicea was a rich, wealthy city. And yet in the city of God or the kingdom of God, they were poor, wretched, and pitiful. Christ has to explain the true meaning of being rich. As he does throughout the Gospels and also this book of Revelation. It may have been the church that was the most well-off on a cultural level, but they may have been the most poor, spiritually. They may have been furthest from God at this point. Christ gives them a list of how they can act on that lukewarmness. He gives them a list on how they can make that, that water cold or that water hot and useful. Jesus says, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Of course, this doesn't refer to literal gold, but as it does throughout Revelation, it can mean spiritual riches. Come to Jesus and pray for wealth and spirit, wealth and discipleship, continually being refined and made new over time. You see, an unrefined gold, have you ever seen unrefined gold before? kind of full of specks and rocks. It's not, it's not a lot to behold, is it? It's got a lot of ore around it. It's, it's not like the ring or the earrings or the necklace you're wearing that may have gold on it. It's not much to behold. It doesn't look too different from a normal rock. 
So Jesus says, buy from me gold refined in the fire with the purities and the specks and the dirt removed. The poorness, the wretchedness, the pity removed from gold refined in the fire so you can be truly rich. Jesus also says for them to put on the white clothes. White clothes meaning cleanliness and purity. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate a baptism here at First Baptist Church. And as we do with just about every baptism, uh, I and our baptismal candidate, Anna, will be wearing white robes. Very much a reference to the scripture of wearing white robes and being made clean by Christ. Our sins being washed away, those white robes are a symbol of that reality. Jesus says, wear these clothes to cover up your shame. It's a reminder that Jesus sees our hypocrisy and our half-hearted Christianity. It's not like the people at Laodicea were running around the town naked. Just another reason why Revelation doesn't always need to be taken 100% literally. There was not a church running around Asia Minor naked. But they may as well have been because they were full of shame. They were ashamed because they were not following in God's ways and God could see right through it. And so Jesus says, put on those white robes. Be made clean and pure. And then Christ offers them a healing agent, a salve to put on their eyes. What a, what a fascinating image that Jesus says to put a salve on the eyes. It's not an image that comes up again in these letters. Jesus says, put the salve on your eyes. Christ has had some harsh words up to this point, but salve is soothing and helpful and healing. It's a reminder that Jesus is not here simply to pronounce hardships or judgments, but Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is in their presence to heal their hearts and their souls. This was an area of the world that was under harsh elements, especially in regards to dust and dirt and sun in Asia Minor. It was not uncommon for eyes to become very irritated because of the harsh sun and the, and the dry weather. Laodicea was the location of a very famous ophthalmologist, and people came from all over the region to buy eye lotions that were made available for this city. In many ways, they were very advanced medically in this area. And so when Jesus says, I have a salve for you to put on your eyes, the people would have said, huh, I got that reference. They would have said, I know what it's like to put salve on my eyes because my eyes are hurting or painful. But Jesus offers them a healing salve that would give them the power to see through the dirt and the dust, to see through the spiritual dirt and the dust and the impurities that their eyes could be healed and they could see the truths of the kingdom of God. Jesus offers Laodicea and us the healing power to see God at work around us, and we would do well to put the salve of Christ on our eyes today, wouldn't we, church? It reminds us that it is up to us to allow Christ into our lives by seeing what Christ is doing in the world around us. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. 
waiting for us to open the door and allow him into our homes and our office and our classrooms and even our churches. We've heard about this powerful Christ, and now we need to become hot or cold. The Christians of Asia Minor were suffering. Every single church was suffering something. And there was a prominent theme in Revelation about Christ's victory over evil in both the present time and also at the end of all things. But Christ also wins the victory through us because we are powerful agents who the Spirit has empowered to share our gifts and use them for Christ's work. The Christians of Asia Minor were the earliest examples of Christians seeking to overcome persecution and the harsh realities of the principalities and powers of the world. Not by fighting back in the ways of the world, but by pressing on and living out the gospel in Jesus' name. In some ways, we cannot fully comprehend what the Christians at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea were going through and what they were facing. As 21st century Americans sitting in this sanctuary without fear for our lives, we are here to worship freely. We can't possibly understand what these Christians were going through. And yet Christ's call to us is the same as the church at Laodicea and the churches in Asia Minor. The least we can do at this time is to commit to living out the gospel as though your own existence depended on it. Because that's what they were feeling. They were challenged to live out the gospel despite the fact that they might very well lose their lives at worst and at best not be able to thrive in society. They would have their property seized. They were kept out of cultural events because they chose to live out the gospel in their cities. And so it is up to us to use our freedom wisely, to seek out the suffering and those who are experiencing hunger and thirst, who have no clothing or shelter, and are experiencing oppression in this world. It is up to us as Christians to find them and to share the gospel with them and to share Christ's love. It is my challenge to us today as we prepare to end this series on Revelation that we would take this little phrase seriously as we prepare to go from this place as we have every week It says, anyone who has an ear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The very same Spirit that gave a word to the church at Laodicea and the other churches in Asia Minor speaks to us today. The Spirit is challenging us to put salve on our eyes to buy that gold refined in the fire, to wear those white clothes proudly. To not be lukewarm, to find a purpose. Will we be hot? Will we be cold? Can we be both? Let's pray on these things. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your message to these churches of Asia Minor. 
And we're excited the fact, about the fact that your words to them at this time can mean so much to us even now. Help us to be mindful of the Christians both at this time and around the world today who are suffering persecution, who are risking their lives for the sake of the gospel. And may that reality challenge us even more to proclaim your name to our neighbors and to our community. Lord, in the times where we become lukewarm or wonder about our purpose or vision, may your Spirit speak to us, and may we be reminded that we can be hot and we can be cold and we can be useful for your kingdom. We pray that we would have strength and courage as we prepare to go. In Jesus' name, amen.